Welcome to the Men on Purpose podcast, featuring dynamic conversations with emerging and established visionary men on purpose. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the men on purpose who are committed, creative, courageous change makers, living their best, most fulfilling life possible. Now, here's the host of Men on Purpose, Ian Lobos. All right, everybody, check it out. We are back and we're better than ever. We have taken a little bit of a break and we have revamped everything to level it up, to elevate it, just like in our slogan, we are elevating everything about this podcast and the information that we bring you, the guests that we bring you and the way we get it out to you so that you can take anything and everything you want and live it, own it, ask questions about it, level up, elevate, evolve your life to live on purpose and live with purpose. So today's guest is a personal friend of mine. He's an amazing man, husband, father, speaker, author, podcast host, you name it. The guy is, the guy's legit. You're going to love this episode. So let me tell you a little bit about John Vroman. So John helps people become moment makers. He's married to his free-spirited wife, Tatiana. He's the father of two energetic boys, Tiger and Ocean, and he lives in Austin, Texas. So John is the founder of the Front Row Foundation, which is a charity established in 2005 that creates unforgettable moments for individuals who are braving life-threatening illnesses. Now, they provide a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to live life in the front row by granting front row moments to live events of their recipients' dreams. I mean, how cool is that? You got to check this guy out. And we're going to be talking and diving really deep into all the different things that John does. So just really open up your brains and your hearts for this one. So uh, John is an award-winning speaker. He's a top-rated podcast host, and he's uh, been a featured guest on the Today Show and written about in, uh, in Inc. Magazine. Now, John's also the founder of FrontRowDads.com, an international community of men with businesses. Now, let's just get that really clear. And again, we're going to dig into this because I know a lot of you listening, maybe you have a business and you're trying to figure out how to balance this thing out. So this is family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. There's a shift there, right? There's a big shift in your brain and your mindset and your heart to actually understand that you're a family man first and then you run a business basically to fund your life and your lifestyle and the way you want to live. So... I told you about his podcast. He's a top-rated podcast, Front Row Dads podcast. And John actually shares interviews that extract and understand the rituals, routines, and habits that every man should use and incorporate to be better fathers and subsequently husbands and people, right? So this is exciting for me because I've known John for probably about four or five years. I saw him speak at a, at a mastermind event where I was, that I was attending and then I saw him speak at a couple other events, became buddies. We uh, kind of run in the same circles. So this is a real pleasure and honor to have John Vroman on the Men on Purpose podcast. So sit back, relax, get your new notepads out, get your pens out, get ready to take some really great notes. This is the Men on Purpose podcast with John Vroman. All right, here we go. John Vroman, welcome to the Men on Purpose podcast, my friend. Yo, let's do this, man. <laughs> so this is going to be lax. We were just talking about it. I don't have a, like a list of questions. I mean, I do, but 
I've known you for, I don't know, five years through various organizations, and I've always admired you as a dad and then a businessman. And I want to kind of just start talking about that. But first, let's, let's just get into your background so the audience knows you. Um, Cutco, right? Yeah, man. That was, yeah. yeah, 18 years old, started selling knives in people's homes. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. A, dude, that's a, it might be a limiting belief, but that's a rough business. Is that not? Yeah. I mean, it, it, yes, in many ways it is. It's yeah. undeniable. You, you have to show a product and that's several thousand dollars <laughs> and, you know, make a sale in an hour and ask for referrals. Yeah, man, it takes, it takes a lot to be able to succeed in that business. In my opinion, it takes a lot of uh, growth, a lot of transparency, a lot of, yeah, you can't hide. You're no. not going to make it in that business hiding. No, no. more bullshit. <laughs> so so let, let me stay there for a second, just because there's somebody listening right now that's meant to hear this part, which is they're not picking up the phone. They're afraid to close. They're afraid to ask for the business. What separates you from the guy that's right freaking there? Is it that you don't give a shit? Because I hear that and the people that I coach in sales training, they're like, well, it's because you don't give a shit. And I'm like, it's because I give a shit that I ask for the close. Yeah. Like, what is yeah. it that made you close such a high level? Because you were high up in that organization. Yeah, I think, yeah, it, it, I, my, I can tell you only my story. I don't know what stands in the way of somebody else because we're complex beings and we have so many different uh, blueprints, you know, within our, within our mind that are causing us to behave and react in different ways. For me, it was a matter of having enough uh, on the line you know, either of what I wanted or what I didn't want. And the more that I found myself in a spot where I had to make something happen, you know, desperation and hunger is very powerful. I remember my dad teaching me that years ago, which is, he said, you know, there's something about going to your cabinets, opening them up and seeing no food that really motivates a man. And there's a, real tr there's a real truth to that of just, you know, if you stop getting bailed out and people stop making excuses for you and you stop making excuses for yourself, then at some point you've got to look in the mirror and say, all right, what's happening here? Sure. And then, you know, looking at other people and modeling their successes, a lot of it was ego for me. A lot of what stood in my way. I, and I could tell you something, man, can I, can I give you a framework that I think is one of the most powerful frameworks right Please. away. Like, right. Dro let's drop this right drop in the it. beginning. Um, have you ever heard somebody talk about the ego castle? Have you ever heard? No, um, no, enlighten Okay. Us. So listen, man, this is killer because this is the thing that is, it addresses what you're talking about. And it's not only powerful for people in business, it's powerful for people at home. It's something we need to teach our kids. So my buddy, Dr. Kelly Flanagan, who's also a part of Front Row Dads, um, was, was started out being a guest at one of our events and then became a member. And, and he came in, um, he wrote a book called Lovable. And it's an incredible book. He's a psychologist, you know, uh, professionally, and he's a great writer. And one of the questions popped up from the group that led him to share this uh, metaphor, this idea. He calls it the ego castle. And here's what it is. In elementary school, all of us, and I'm talking 100% of all humans, we develop an ego, the ego being our false self, our projection or a way that we protect ourselves uh, from the world. We present this person so that we don't get hurt. And what we do is in elementary school, we start to build an ego castle wall that protects us because we realize people might want to hurt us you know, at some point they don't have our best interest at heart. And an example of that is when we find out about name brand clothing, 
which for me started around like fifth grade, really. I lived in Virginia Beach and all of it was surf clothes. So if you had Gotcha and Quicksilver and Billabong in Virginia Beach, you were cool. And I learned that if you put on a front, a clothing brand, a brand on top of yourself, then people would think something of you. That's an ego castle wall, right? To protect ourselves. And then in junior high, we realized that we can't just defend ourselves, that a good, def- a, a good offense is sometimes the best defense. So what we do is we mount these cannons on the wall and we start attacking people. And that's when people learn how to insult. They learn sarcasm. They learn passive aggressiveness. They learn, they master that art of, if I attack you, you I'll hurt you before you can hurt me. Yeah. And that's what people do. We use those, uh, those attacks as a way to protect ourselves. I mean, I remember doing that with my mom and dad. If I wanted them to back off, the best thing, you know, the thing I could do is I could attack them and it would put them on their heels, right? And I would have power and we play with that. So then in high school, the third part of our castle is to develop a throne. And your ego castle throne is where you start to figure out that you're competent with something. And for some people, it's academics and other people, it's athletics and whatever it might be, but you find your thing and you start to master that craft. And then you sit on your throne of righteousness. And the next part of the ego castle is if you're right, then you can make everybody else wrong. But being right is just another way for us to protect ourselves. And then finally, the last part of it, which is where we all try to end up, Ian, is that we realize that our our castle, right? All the guns, all the thrones, all of that is, we're not really connecting. So we realize that our castle has a drawbridge. We let it down and we walk out and we can finally be ourselves. It's when we're transparent with a friend or a small group of people where we can reveal more truths about ourselves, the hurts, the traumas, the pain, whatever. And the thing that stood in my way from being an average rep to a great rep in Cutco or, 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 or moving into an executive role was that I needed to realize that the, I, I started in that company projecting like I was somebody I wasn't really honest about my results. I would lie about how, you know, they were like, how's it going? I'm like, great. And really it wasn't going great, but great was just a way of me protecting myself. So the more that I was transparent, the more that I was like, I'm not good at this. I need help with this. Uh, You're better than I am in that space, right? And, And the more I got my ego in check, the more I understood that about my life, that's when I took quantum leaps. And I think that's the case for many of us. Sick. I love that. What about somebody, I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second. What about somebody that says... What the act as if mindset and mentality of projecting and living into that being that you want to be that person you want to be going forward. It yeah. almost sounds like that's what you were doing. So there's a mix of that ego and that, that, that self-righteousness and that ego and kind of that lying. But there's also that part of you that probably helped you a little bit where you were like crushing it, dude. And in your mind, you're like, I better step up to crushing it because I'm not crushing it right now. But then yeah. you also need to be honest to be able to get to be sure to get help from somebody to actually be yep. Honest. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that a lot of that comes back to the intention behind what you're doing. Because yeah. one of those is with the intention of growth. The other one is the intention to protect myself. Perfect. Perfect. So I think that's the difference between the two. But Amy Cuddy did a great job in her TED talk covering this as well about, you know, this idea of, you know, uh, acting your way into feeling. She talks about power poses and how if we stand differently and we, we act a certain way, then we behave a certain way. Different chemicals are released in our body. That's a very different approach than somebody who is hiding behind a front, right? Um, Hiding behind a lie. 
hundred percent. You know, my, my wife and my wife's from Los Angeles. It's very well known that that's where we want to be. Uh, I grew up in Baltimore. So, you know, this is where I've wanted to be until I realized how much I wanted to be there too, because one, it's, it's, a, it's like that second place that feels like home to me. And I want to help her realize her dream because she's been such a part of me realizing my dreams for our unit, for our family. And the one thing that her and I work on every day is to make sure because we've, I've been able to move who I was and that projection so that nobody could hurt me in business. And like when I worked with my dad years and years ago when I got out of college, like I couldn't be Ian because I didn't know who Ian was. And the thing that we, that we are very cognizant of is that, you know, it's not a limiting belief. It's not bullshit. Like LA is a very egocentric town. It is a very projected. What's on the outside is all that matters kind of town in most places. And I've got to be very careful because I don't want to go back into that place where it's all yeah. about the exterior. Cause I'm very in touch with the interior being. And that's why I help people through my coaching business is to understand that hurt person inside and bring that out and grow that person. Cause then you're like, you're in alignment, right? So I yeah. totally, I totally get that, man. That was a, that was a great explanation. And that ego castle for anybody that, um, yeah. that wants Props to, know, to Dr. Kelly Flanagan, full credit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, and the book lovable, you can check out that book and he's okay. got another book coming out soon, but just a great guy, great human. We're going to break that down on the, on the website and on social media. So for any of you that missed that and you don't have a rewind button for some reason, we'll give it to you. Don't you worry. It'll be in the show notes. Um, so I, there's somewhere I want to go with that, but I, you know what? Let's fuck it. Let's go there. How did you break that ego? How did you finally get to who so, John is today? So this is interesting because I, I asked Dr. Kelly the question of, well, once you know the castle is there, how do I tear it down? That was my question to him because uh, it's something that I think I'd continually been working at is to not be held captive by my own castle, sure. right? And he just said, you, you don't tear down your castle. Your castle's built for war. The more you attack it, the more it wants to fight. He goes, it's there. It's not going away. But what you can do is you can just learn to walk out that drawbridge. Now, he goes, you don't want to be totally transparent in front of everybody at all times. That doesn't, I don't think that's good advice. I don't think that I wake up in the morning and it's like everything that comes to my mind, I put on social media. I don't think that's, I don't think that's good. I don't think my kids should hear every thought that's going through my head. I don't think that's good. I think that there is a, a natural and a, and a positive use for our ego castle. Because look, there are people out there that want to take advantage of you, that want to hurt you. So understanding how to protect yourself, right? Understanding how to fire back a little bit can be helpful at times. But you just don't want to be run by it. So I think that for me, it's a matter of the more I understand about myself, the more I understand about the programming that's happening, the blueprints in my, in my mind and in my heart, either what's been passed down you know, through my DNA and what's been adapted consciously or subconsciously in my life throughout my 45 years, man, that is the type of stuff I'm interested in. I realized that one of my biggest shifts as a dad and as a business owner is that, and this was a tough one, right? Is like, because I don't want to admit this, is like, it all comes back to, to me. And I remember hearing that at, in my 20s of somebody's, you know, just referencing that all of the stuff 
all of the coaching is going to be about you. And I'm like, yeah, but them, they're the one that fucked that up. Right? And I'm like, let's talk about them. Because yeah. if they weren't such an asshole, I wouldn't have such a problem. Yeah. And they're like, no, John, let's bring this back to you. And so whenever we face challenges with our kids, it's what's, what do we need to do for ourselves? Right. right. Rather than me looking at, I'm the greatest teacher for my kids. It's like my kids are the greatest teacher for me. Same with my business. I realized that all of the limitations that my business has experienced are likely because of me. Right. I am, totally. I am the, I'm the source. Sure. There's two things that I, that I thought of when you brought that up. Cause I go through that as a business owner of multiple businesses as well. And a family man, uh, family man, then business owner, then business, yeah. then business owner, um, is that the meaning that we make of shit that happens to us is crushing if we allow it to be. And the, the yeah. most people, so I'm going to admit something. I love Beverly Hills housewives, the show. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Never seen it, man, but tell me more. Tell me more. So, so here's the deal. You trust me, right? Here we go. Audience, John, you guys trust me. Don't judge and don't turn this thing off. I promise you there's something cool. So I I watched this show because one, I like to see all inside their houses, Bentleys, coal cars, jets, you know, fancy stuff. I like to see that. And and the other thing is as as a professional coach, I love watching the experiment that this is where literally for 40 minutes, the whole episode is about one thing that one person said and how six of them interpreted it and how they fight about their opinion of it. That's it. It's false. It's fake. It's fluff. There's nothing real. It's all their opinion based on their past programming and it's total BS. And I find it fascinating. So I'm not watching this show for what most people watch the show for. I'm watching it because it is freaking intriguing. <laughs> well, dude, I think uh, I can relate to that, not for that show, but right, I can right. relate to being fascinated by human dynamics. Yes. I mean, yes. look, I, I have a lot of that this year in 2020, watching people debate shit online yep. or the way they would interact with each other and how they would. I watch myself. I'm not, you know, I don't want to just point fingers. I mean, I, I watch myself get caught up, hung up emotionally, right? Hung up on something and wanting to be right about things. And it just, yeah, it's something that I deal with on a regular basis, man. So I don't think I've overcome it. I think I'm in practice of, of, I'm in practice of being an authentic version of myself and wanting to find ways to, you know, to find the right people that I can trust, that I can have those conversations with. That's what I crave. So how do you, you know, I, I find that too. How do you find those people that you know you can open up to and be vulnerable and not and 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 understand that they're going to push you and it's for your own good? You know, I've got a really yeah. couple very close friends that I met in organizations that you and I ha- know together, and I trust these guys with anything. I can tell them anything. I mean, I just told the world about housewives. I talk to them about it because it's it's fascinating. How do you find that? How do you find those people? How do you let your guard down enough to know that you can be vulnerable and not keep just getting whacked? Yeah. I think you, you look for clues because we all are meeting lots and lots of people. Well, I shouldn't say we all are. I think many of us meet lots of people. We, we shake a lot of hands. We get introduced. And there's a part of it that, you know, there's a natural tendency to, for me at least, to listen to my gut right away when I'm like, I, I don't know what it is about that person, but 
there's something about this relationship that sure. I'm going to follow that thread for a while. That's one. And then I also find that when you find one incredible person, they tend to be a wonderful filter for other people as well. So the way that our brotherhood front row dads has grown is by referral, by people bringing other people in. Some of my greatest friendships, my greatest relationships um, have been because of introductions of other great men. And I also think that the more authentic you are, the more you attract people that want to play in that same space. So I know that for the podcast, I've met people have listened to the podcast, the Front Row Dad Show. They come into the group. We get to, I get to know them. And next thing you know, I'm like, I can't imagine my life without this person. But that somebody has to speak first. Somebody has to put their opinions and thoughts out into the world so that we can know whether or not that we feel like we're in, in a tribe with them or not. And, what, and, the, and going back to what you said earlier about the, the ego castle, just lower that drawbridge and just know that everybody standing at the gate is not going to fire cannons and arrows. They're going to, somebody might just shake, stick out their hand and, and you'll welcome them in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. Love that, People are going to hurt you. I mean, look, my wife and I are married to each other. We have children and we've hurt each other. Sure. Sure. You know, and, uh, and, and it's shitty when it happens and I don't, neither one of us like it, but it's part of the human experience. Sure. So a lot of, a lot of the growth comes also in saying, I'm not going to just be so pained by my past that I'm never going to trust again, or I'm never going to, you know, people are, you know, start labeling, right? People are blank. Right. But if we can remain curious, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things is just staying open. That openness, that clarity, that will elevate you naturally from the herd. And I know a lot of people will say, but if I'm more open and more clear, I can get hurt faster. And I go, yeah, but then you, when you raise up, you'll surround yourself by people that aren't looking to constantly tear you down. And then you'll actually look at everybody from a 10,000 foot view and you'll see the, the, the cycles, the vicious cycles that people run in their lives, which is they constantly make meaning of shit from the, my alarm clock didn't go off. It's Apple's fault. My iPhone's fault. Who took my charger to the guy cut in front of me at Starbucks to, I didn't get that parking space at work. That guy got it. I mean, that cycle, if you think about it for everybody that's listening, break your day down. What do you make meaning of all day? And I guarantee you there are 10 things specifically that ruled your day, probably your week. You still think about them after a year. You told your wife about them. Your kids are now influenced by them. And all it took was for you to just to shift your brain back to focus forward mode. And none of that shit would exist in your life at all. Like at all. And your life would be clearer and you would able, you'd be able to absorb higher level stuff people, information, abundance, whatever. And I mean, I, I see it every day. That's why I love that show. It's like Jerry Springer. I watch it because it makes me feel better that, I'm, that I can look, not look down upon it like in a derogatory way, but I look at it and I can see clearly what's going on. And I'm happy yeah. to know that I've elevated my life out of that. So with that, have you always been the husband and dad you are today? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I didn't know you did comedy, Ian. That's, that's funny, man. Uh, yeah, I started Front Row Dads because I wanted answers, not because I had them. Yeah. You know, I mean, I started this thing out of desperation because here, here's what really happened. I said I was going to be the best dad and husband ever. You know, I'm like, I read, I learn. I'm a personal growth junkie. Like, I'm going to fucking crush this, right? And then what happens is I blink my son is six yeah. and I realized that I've been on the road giving speeches 
and claiming all the time, I'm just one more season. Hey, I got to get through this book launch. Hey, I got to get through this thing. Hey, I know that I said, you know, less speeches, but now that I'm making 10,000 a speech, let's just bank some cash. And, you know, then, hey, I, hey, how do I turn down now that I'm getting 18,000 a speech? How do I turn that down? Like we've been building for years totally. to get to this point. Now we got to go. And everything is a reason to not engage with my family. Everything's one more week, one more month, one more year, whatever it might be. And I woke up one day and I'm like, for the guy who said he was going to read every book on parenting and all this stuff, I'd read like two books on parenting. Yeah. I'd picked up a lot of books. I'd bought a lot of books on parenting. <laughs> I had not read a lot of books on parenting. Yeah. You know, and, and the other part of it was, and, and coming to grips with things like the fact that I was able to make a baby, but I didn't even know how to like, really, I wasn't great at sex. I wasn't great at marriage. I wasn't great at you know, just because I'm a great, just because I, somebody pays me to be a coach doesn't make you a great husband. Right? Totally, man. Because first totally. of all, fuck your coaching skills. They don't help you as a husband, <laughs> right? In fact, leave all that shit alone, right? It's, it's, it's actually hurting you probably, totally. right? But I, I think like, oh, I'm going to be such a great husband because I know exactly how to talk to my wife. I know exactly what framework to use here. It's like, no, man, that's going to screw it all up. Yep. Um, because it's just a different thing. And, you know, I made so many of those mistakes for so long until I, again, this goes back to the ego castle, man. I had to find humility. I had to realize that I didn't need to protect myself anymore. I didn't need to pretend, you know, it's yeah. even like, you know, I, it's funny. I, I did two ultra marathons back in 2005 and 2006, right? Back to back. Yeah. But then 2007, 2008, 2009, people would introduce me on stage. They're like, he's an ultra marathon runner. And I'm like, ah, I was, <laughs> right? I, I did that at one point, but I'm not, I'm not, I am not currently an ultra marathon runner, right? right? And there's a very big difference. And what happens is you kind of like do this thing once in your life and then you hide behind it. Sure. And you like, and that's what I did, man. I, for a lot of years as a dad, I had this ego that was protecting me because I didn't want to say I'm not a great dad. I'm not a great husband. Uh, and then you do the whole, well, I'm better than most. I'm better than my dad or whatever it might be. Dude, I was a wreck. I was a wreck. I didn't even realize how bad of a wreck I was until I started front row dads, you know? And then once I got in it, I started meeting other guys and like, oh, this guy's really good at this thing. And this guy's really good at that thing. And I started seeing how other people were living their lives. And one guy's strong here, but he's weak over here. And all of a sudden you throw a hundred great ideas out on the table and you're like, damn, there's a lot of room for growth. Totally. God, I love that, man. I love your passion with it too, because you're so freaking clear on how shitty you were. Like, I love Dude, that. Very, very clear. Very <laughs> clear. That. And I could get really specific too. Like there are, this isn't just in general, right? There are very specific things that I did and there's very specific things I struggled with. Like I struggled with alcohol. Like I just struggled with alcohol as a dad. I struggled with uh, raising my voice. Uh, I've punched holes in walls before. Hmm. I have, you know, like I've done things as a dad. My wife has said to me before, man, if all your... If all, if all your friends could only see you now, yeah, I've heard that <laughs> right? before. you know, yeah. Like, and, and these are things that, man, there's just a lot. There's a lot that's there. It's, crazy. it's a lot that's there. I remember my, my daughter was like 11 months old and my wife said to me, I'm done. Like, I can't keep doing this. <clears throat> and we've been running our real estate business for three years at that point. 
crushing it, doing really well. And I had been in personal development in quotes, picking up the books, bought a shit ton of books. I own a lot of books. I've touched every one of them. Therefore, I should just know the information automatically, right? And, um, and I didn't understand. Uh, my, my dad never told me, but he always showed me, which was not a fault of his. It's just what he believed was like, you, you are a provider. And when you're an entrepreneur and you come from an entrepreneurial family, you're a provider. And if you want this life that you're used to, that I worked really hard to provide and show you how to get, you got to, everything needs to happen like this. And then you'll have time for everybody. And that's the same thing you went through. And I want to tell you mine and I want you to tell the audience yours. My wife came to me one day. I remember it vividly. We're standing in the kitchen and she just slams this pot down and she's like, fucking done. I'm out. I'm done. I cannot deal with you. She said the same thing to me. If any, if everybody could just see this, you, everybody would fucking hate you. You're such an asshole. You have nothing left for this family. You have nothing to give me as a wife and this little kid. And I'm like, whatever. What do you want me to do? You want a good lifestyle? Like I got to, I got to work. I got to crush it. I got to work seven days a week. But that was my model. And there's no fault of my dad's. And then I had never really showed her emotion until she said to me, I got a question for you. Are you the model of a man that you want your daughter to attract into her life one day? Yeah. It still makes me a little emotional. And I said, um, no, I'm not. And I fucking lost it, dude. Emotionally just lost it. And that's the day that I set out on this fucking intense journey of real personal development, me in it, me actually reading it, me listening to it, hiring coaches and doing the work because I was not happy with who I was as a dad, as a husband. Cause she said, look, I can leave you. Every one of your friends, your business, everybody can leave. But that little girl, that's you're her dad. She's, she's not going to get another dad. And if you want her to get another dad, I can find somebody else but I guarantee they're not going to be what standard you want to raise her. So you better get your shit together. If you want your daughter to be raised by you and what you feel is appropriate to guide her through this world. And I was like, fucking profound. I should start paying you. (laughs) (laughs) And it cracked me, man. And this is why I want to, I want to hear your, do you have a crack story like that? Do you have something that broke you that your wife said, or somebody said to you, your kids? Yeah. I have, there's a common thread when you ask questions like that. It's going to be like, yeah, there's, there's many, there's many moments like that where, and it was all addressing different things. Like I can tell you a crack moment where, you know, where, where you crack open, if you will, of where we talk about money, you know, as a family, I could tell you one of those crack open moments where we talked about sex in our relationship. Right. And she described it as vanilla. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, there's all these moments when you, you know, you're tackling something in your relationship, in your family life that's not good. I mean, I could tell you that you know, very specific, but maybe more recently, two and a half, almost three years ago now, if I'm, if I'm doing the math right on this, about three years ago, we were in a very rough spot in our marriage. And the reason I go to marriage is because in our community and what I have found is that marriage, so we did a poll recently in our, 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 our brotherhood, 180 members. And one of the things that we learned was that, and this is going to be no shock, guys rated themselves the highest in business. And their success, right? One to 10 scale, how are you doing? And the lowest in marriage and parenting. 
Those were the two lowest in the categories. And we've got, of course, uh, we've got business evolution. We've got wealth and legacy. We have vibrant health. We have emotional intelligence. And then we have uh, parenting and marriage. So when, when, you know, the one, the reason I go there is because this is one that haunts a lot of men. This is the one that I know for a fact, because I have the intimate relationships with them, that you see the pictures on Facebook. And of course, I'm not going to post how I feel about my wife in my darkest moment on Facebook out of respect for her. I'm probably not. I'm, I talk about myself and talk about my failures and my shortcomings as long as I'm not outing her without her permission. And so there is limits to that. But behind the scenes, man, I know that marriage is a big one. And two and a half years ago, three years ago, almost Tatiana and I were in a place where I didn't know that we were going to make it because we were addressing a lot of things in our marriage that we hadn't addressed because what happens for us. And I think what happens, what I've heard happen to a lot of other people is like when you're, when you have new kids, a lot of times what you do is everybody just, it's just weathering a storm, right? You're just, it's how do I survive through the night, waking up five times, breastfeeding, all this stuff. Like I got to keep this child alive, all these hyper vigilant feelings and thoughts that are going through. But then at some point when the kids go out to school and my wife is sitting there with five hours on her hand, six hours on her hand, we've got a little bit of space maybe in our relationship. All of a sudden it's like, who am I? Who are we together? Do I like this? Are we, have we gotten into a habit? Like when you, when we go to bed, like you turn me this way and then you turn me to the left and then you turn me to the right and and then it's over and I can predict the whole thing, right? It's like you got six moves and you run through them all every single time. And right, like, that's, that's a problem. And I remember here is a big awakening for me. I played out divorce in, I played out divorce because we talked about it. We talked about whether or not we were going to make it. We talked about, you know, all the things we kind of got to the point where both of us broke and we let it all go. Mm-hmm. And I remember playing out divorce and I thought, what would I do if I got divorced? And then it hit me that I would probably go to the gym. I'd probably like up my game is really what it came down to, right? I'd up my game. I'd probably get in some new clothes. I would, and then if I dated somebody, what would I do? Like, what kind of dates would I take them on? Well, I'd start researching, like, what are all the things to do in Austin? And where can I take somebody to really impress them? <laughs> right? like, and, then I, and then all of a sudden it was like somebody hit me over the head with a baseball bat. And, I, and, the, and the question then popped into my head, well, then why would I not do this for my wife? Yes. Like why would, what, what, what it, then, then it became very clear that why would I go do that to impress a stranger, right? Versus the woman who I've decided to dedicate my life to and that I'm raising a family with. And why would I not do that for my kids? So that just like you, it's like, I can show my boys how to love a woman. I can show my boys how to treat themselves. I can show my boys how to give the best to ourselves and our family through all of our actions. And so that's what happened, man. I started going to the gym again. I went from a 34 to a 31 waist. Uh, I read books on sex. I learned about oral sex. I learned things that I never knew at 43 years old. I learned things. I learned stuff that you're like, whoa. And Tatiana was like, literally, I remember her, I remember Hal, our buddy Hal, right? Uh, Hal coming to me saying, dude, your wife is telling all the other moms, all the other wives that you're some set of sort of sex God now, right? Like, you know, like that's what, that's the rumor she's spreading around town. And I, but, but all this was because I started stepping up, yeah. right? I started learning. I started growing. I started taking ownership. I flew her to New York for like a, to go on a clothes shopping spree. We did adventurous things, things that I would have done if I was dating somebody, 
right? And all of a sudden, dude, there was this rekindling of our relationship. There was a, there was a level of, and that's what I, I now get when people are like, it, you can always go deeper. You can always know more about your partner. You can always know more about yourself. It's a never, and I used to just think that was something people said to convince themselves that being in a long-term relationship was worth it. But, but now I'm actually experiencing some of that and I love it. Yeah, dude, that is profound. It really is. And I'm sure you've heard that as the sex God that you are. But that is profound, man. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, man. So funny. It, it, it is Dude, so, so funny. Like there are so many people listening to this right now that are like, yeah, you know what? It's easier to throw in the towel and start with somebody new because you get to bottle everything back up. It gets all buttoned That's up right. again and you're one layer at a time. And then when the layer gets too deep, bam, break off to another one. Then you build that habit. And then what? Have you ever talked to a, a, a 75 or 80 year old divorced person who didn't pay attention to the, the family side, but paid attention to the business side because, you know, like I'll give you a, a quick example. My, my, my dad ran our, his business, his shipping company so well because that's how he coped and ran from his pain of his mom passing away when he was like 11 years old. And he found that out after age 60. And somehow my mom and him are still married. And I say somehow, not in a derogatory sense, but like they made it, like they made it through uh, because they just kept recommitting and kept recommitting. And they were like, what, what are we going to do? Go out and date? I mean, let's just make this thing work at least to a certain level. Yeah. And you know, there's a, if you talk to somebody that was divorced in their fifties and they're in their seventies or eighties, it's, you're not playing anymore at that point. You're not going on fresh dates. You're not taking people out on yachts and, 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 and going on helicopters around New York City. You're, you're not doing that stuff anymore. And then at that point, your life comes into freaking focus and check and you go, holy shit, I could have done so much more. And I don't know about you, but dude, a part of my mission statement is a life free of regrets. And yeah. I'm, I'm owning and honoring everything that I choose to do in this life because I don't want to get to that point at 80 or 90 or 100 or whatever it might be and say, fuck, man, I should have I just sat and played Barbies with my kid, my daughter. I should have just played Barbies because, you know, my dad always, has always taught me. He's like, look, when my friends were beating, you know, were beating me up about it and busting my balls about staying at home with you until you were about 9 or 10 years old and doing things every weekend, like they were out golfing and fishing and doing all kinds of fun shit. And I said, now you look at them and they're, they're, you know, the kids wearing makeup and, and, and doing all kinds of wacky shit just to get that attention that they never got before. You know, not that wearing makeup is bad, but I'm saying like they're doing things to get attention because there's they're something missing there. I don't yeah. want to take my kids through that. I just don't. So yeah. I love your philosophy. Man. I absolutely love that. I follow in that. I follow in those footsteps and I want to talk about um, plant medicine because that's something that really helped me get deeper than I've ever experienced in my life. And I know you've done that too. So yeah. I've done ayahuasca, I've done mushroom ceremonies, combo, and that it was the beginning of 2018. So, you know, two and a half years ago. And I was able to see if, if people are like, what's it like? And I'm like, well, I mean, it's, 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 it's a wild adventure. And it, and it lasted 10 days after I got back too. Um, but I, I was able to clearly see the effects of my choices in others. It, to, mm -hmm. to narrow it down as much as possible. 
especially yeah. in my wife, decisions that I'm making and how it affects her, even though she's not vocal or doesn't communicate it, I was able to understand and really comprehend. And ayahuasca does not play it. You feel it, what other people feel, if that's yeah. what you use. <clears throat> what was your experience like on ayahuasca? Well, yeah, uh, just what you said, which is interesting. It's a, there's definitely a connection that occurs at a core level. There's something in your body. There's a body experience that's very different than a logical explanation. You know, I've been through lots of Tony Robbins training. I've been through, I've read hundreds and hundreds of books where you can see a framework and somebody can break it down and say, this is how your brain works, right? This is, you know, your, how language makes a difference. And you understand all these processes, but to really feel something, to feel connected, to feel in flow with the world and with your environment and your surroundings. And it's a bringing, it's an, it's an encompassing feeling to me. That is what I've experienced at a very deep level. It was the closest thing to like a spiritual experience yeah. where you sense your senses are, you know, they, of course they're changed. They're enhanced. There's parts of your brain and your body that are being um, lit up that have been dormant in the past. I find that for me, uh, psilocybin has been very powerful as a way to just, it's like a deep meditative state. And I think you have to be very careful with the dosage. I think you need to get some good counsel if you're ever going to play in that space. I think that you should find people that have traveled down that road and could, could guide you. Yeah. And I think that with the right amount of uh, dosage with that, that I do think that what I find is meditation. I find this incredible appreciation my appreciation for things and people and my wife goes through the roof. I mean, it's even like when you look at, there's some great material out there, right? From the book, How to Change Your Mind to the Netflix documentaries that are on now about these psychedelics. And there's so much great information about the journeys and you can go and you can take the deep dive and understand all of it. But dude, I have to tell you that this is one of the things that transformed our relationship because I was able to see Tatiana and the world and feel much more empathetic mm -hmm. than I'd ever felt before. I yeah. felt much more appreciative. Oh, what I was going to say was like, it's like MDMA mm -hmm. <clears throat> where that drug was invented years ago for couples therapy. And <clears throat> whenever you play in these spaces responsibly and appropriately, I think there's so much good that can come from it. And that's been my, that's been my experience, man. It's an opening for sure. But I think totally that agree. set and setting is so important. I think going in with the right mindset yeah. is so important. Going in with an intention, going in with a purpose, right? It's all so, so important. I was just going to say that there's a lot of people that I think that I've talked to about ayahuasca or psilocybin and, and they still see it as the escape from reality masked in a ceremony. So it feels more spiritual and it feels like it's elevated, but it's still the, in the back of their mind. They're like, cool, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to get really messed up or really high or really just transported to a different dimension. And what I tell people is look, whether you believe it or not, you've got to be very careful with, with those levels of medicine because they are, they're naturally occurring. They're living beings in, in some capacity and, they they are they are working with you and taking you to places that you should be or in or may not even want to go and i know that i've had some really fantastic experiences on mushrooms 
And I've had some really dark, disturbing, somewhat traumatizing experiences. However, they're not traumatizing because it's my life. And I'm, I'm coming, stuff's coming up that I, I wasn't even thinking about and I actually didn't even know it was there, but it was behind so many blind spots that I'm actually glad after the fact that it came up. However, in the moment, it was terrifying, really terrifying. And I always encourage people like, yeah, be in that right setting, be with the right people, be very selective as who's leading you, who you're around, who's sitting next to you, uh, who's administering, where you're getting the, the medicine from, because all of that has an effect on the healing, which is really what this stuff is for. It's not for fun. Like you're not taking the mushrooms at a party. Like you, you're, you're eating a, a, a medicinal medicine because you want to heal yourself in some capacity. So I, I, think it's a, I think it's a fantastic idea. It's so out in the open now that you don't have to be secretive and hide and, and you know, not tell your parents because you're, you're embarrassed and they think you're a drug addict or whatever. Just be open about it. If you want to go and do that level of healing, then commit and get your ass into it. But don't go into it thinking that you're going to escape from reality because you won't. That medicine will shut you down big time. Yeah. And I think that oftentimes my, my word this year is definition, right? Yeah. That's, you know, my word of the year is definition. And I find myself constantly now asking, well, it's like when people say, well, you're using it to escape from reality. I'm like, define reality. Right. Yeah. So true. You know, cause when you, yeah, when you, when you go there, you go, well, what's, what is reality? And maybe, maybe I'm not escaping from it. Maybe I'm entering it. Entering. Yeah, maybe, yeah totally. Maybe what you we know. do on a daily basis is, is escaping from reality. And that, <laughs> yeah. that medicine just goes, well, well, I will tell you that unquestionably that's the case for me. Yeah. There's so much of our, of our stimulation throughout the day. I mean, listen, you can just work your way out of reality. I've hit it work so many times for my family. I'm busy at work. It's like, no, you just don't want to deal with that very difficult thing at home. Totally. I've escaped into social media. I've escaped into work. I've escaped into healthier activities like running and whatever. All of that, if it depends on whether I'm going for a run to dig into something or I'm going for a run to escape from something. Totally. And it's like, it's almost like how we talk about days off from the schedule. It's like, you can just have a day off and go play or you can plan a day off. You can, you know, it's, it's all an intention. That's, that's the big part of it that I think is all of this comes back to the intention, all of it. Yeah, totally, man. I love that. Absolutely love that. So, um, by the way, my journey, the four day, uh, retreat that I did with ayahuasca, it was so gentle on me. It was like almost nothing happened when I got mm -hmm. home, no joke, like four or five days later, it shut me down in bed, 102, 103 degree fever for 10 straight days. And that's where all of my visions and hallucinations mm. and some shit went down, like real serious shit. That's when I saw like Meredith show up every night as a translucent form. And I would like merge into her and turn red and feel that for hours. And I'm like, I'm changing. I swear I'm changing. I will never go back there. I promise because <laughs> it was so painful, emotionally painful. And when I talked to her about it, she's like, that's exactly what I feel. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. Isn't, isn't grand enough. Like I don't, I, I will show yeah. you with my actions and yeah. I'll show you like, it's just, yeah. that, that was a turning point big time. So I want to be respectful of your time. What, um, what do you, what's the, uh, the activity that you do every day with the pictures? I'm going to tell people about that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if people will see this video or not, but for those, if, if there's a possibility of that, I'll show you guys. So I, I print 
I'm just holding up a four by six photograph right now. My son, Ocean, who's five and he's pouring a drink at a wedding. And what I've been doing lately is just catching my kids doing things that I think are, that I believe are their strengths emerging, right? Their inner, um, you know, value system that's being expressed in some activity. And I try to capture a photo of it and I print it every week and then I write a note on the back. And I have these, um, these photo albums, just these cheap little plastic photo albums. But in each one, I have just a bunch of pictures and then there's notes written on the back with a, with a Sharpie marker on all of these. And I have one for my wife and one for each boy. And then what I do is I, uh, I write that note and I hang them up on the fridge and we review them once a week. And then they stay on the fridge until I put them in the photo book and then I put a new one up on the fridge. And so now you know, for me, uh, this has been a practice as a dad in catching my kids doing the right thing. Cause I think it's very natural to want to correct them all the time. Sure. Hey, get your feet off the, you know, the furniture. Hey, uh, you know, sit down while you eat or whatever are the rules of your house, right? Don't, don't talk to your mother that way. Don't hit your brother. Right. Don't. And there's a lot of don't do this where I said, I need to flip that because we all, uh, many of us have heard the studies that go into positive to negative comments, the Lasato line. It's been a study replicated many, many, many times about the magic ratio between three to one and five to one positive to negative comments with yeah. any relationship. John Gottman, who did, you know, has done arguably the largest marriage study in the world who can predict accuracy with a 90 some percent, you know, accurate, uh, he can predict divorce with a 90% accuracy said that the, the things that made the difference in a relationship was really how we treated people, whether it was with kindness or whether we were critical, right. Uh, in, in our, in our nature with somebody. And so I, wanted a system. I wanted a habit. I wanted a ritual and a routine where I would catch my kids doing the right thing. And I would highlight what's beautiful about them, what's great about them, what's strong about them, what's interesting about them. And then I would use real examples for that and, and then give them to that, you know, give them these photo albums uh, as a gift in their life. And I thought, how cool would it be for any adult to like yeah. go back and look at all these incredible memories with a handwritten note from Papa on the back that tells you, you know, about it. I'll give you an, I'll, I'll give you an, a real example of one. So I'll just, I'll just open to the, to the latest one, but here's one that I put in here. Um, cause I think this will kind of put a nice bow on this. So there's one of, uh, and if anybody can't see it, it's my son ocean doing Kung Fu for the first time. And he's standing there with a Kung Fu master and, you know, throwing a punch out. And I just wrote ocean, this was your first Kung Fu lesson and you were awesome. During meditation, you sat quietly and focused. Tiger said to me, Ocean's doing such a great job. And I agreed. You're playful, strong, and ready to learn. I love watching you grow. And that's it, man. It's just a short note, something specific that I noticed, a quality, a characteristic of value. Because you can write down all these values and hang them up on your wall, but if you're not bringing them to life all the time, then that's a problem. So I think that's something we can all do. And I started out just by the way with do, doing it for my kids, but then I started doing it for my wife. Love that. And what I noticed was that loving on mom in front of the kids was helping my kids to see mom in a new light. They're like, oh yeah, she is good at that. Oh yeah, that's really awesome. And, um, and then when I would do that, I would ask the boys, I would try to give my wife a picture and I would say, it was so nice to see you loving on our friend's child. You're such a nurturing soul. Our friends are lucky to have you. We're lucky to have you. And then I would go, boys, where have you seen mom be nurturing to other people? Where have you seen her be kind to another person outside of our family? And then they would tell stories and tell mom and we would just have a good dialogue around it. 
it's been working magic for us. So, dude, that is awesome. That's I'm I'm incorporating that into our 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 weekly. You introduced me to Jim Shields, and yeah, we've incorporated right, yeah. we've incorporated that um, the the family uh, uh, board meeting. Board meeting. Um, and this is really cool because you talk about legacy. Legacy is not things that you did once before. There are things that they can take like that. And it's like yeah. most kids, most young people, they, they take a, a, a mix of the positive and the negative. And most of the time, the negative is going to stand out because that made them feel stronger than the positive. But now they get to see this is real. This is reality. This is what happened. My dad gave me this. He wrote this. That's his handwriting. Like they, That's so cool for them to have that for, your, for, for legacy from you. And you don't have to say any more words about it. It's right there, like immortalized on paper with the picture on the other side. It's so neat, man. Absolutely so yeah. neat. I love it. Well, so check it out, man. Let's wrap. It's been like almost an hour. I want to be respectful of your time. So um, just if you forgot because you've been so immersed in this conversation, this is John Vroman, V-R-O-M-A-N. And you can go to frontrowdads.com. Yep. And check out John's uh, really neat organization more about John there. And look, John's on social media. You can find him all over the place. You're not going to miss him. There's nobody, there's no, there's not another John Vroman out there that I know of. Cause anytime I type in your name, it's ma'am, it's, it's you. You know what it does? When you type your name into Google, it says John Vroman's net worth. It's the first thing that pops up. I don't know why anybody would care about that. It's not <laughs> I impressive. Like, I didn't even think about that. I was like, oh, I just the other couple websites. So <laughs> it's funny, man. That's, um, so, that's so funny, man. You're going you're gonna to look at that's it right really now. Funny. I think what's interesting about browsers, by the way, is it, it really tries to give us what it thinks we want as individuals. <laughs> so I'd imagine my browser is not the same as everybody else's. But yeah, man, it's funny. It's, it's funny to see what shows up. Sure. That's interesting. Is that what it shows up? No, not for mine, but... No, um, but it's you. But like I also it, have like... A, yeah, that's funny. It knows that's you. Really. You're the guy on there. So <laughs> now I challenge you. Everybody go to Google, type in John Broman, J-O-N, see what happens. And if it says John's worth Dude, 50 I'm curious. Mil, that's, that's, uh, that's not... <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> that's, that's the wrong John Broman. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Job, so, and uh, listen, audience, to our audience, look, you're, you're, I, I, I said in the beginning of this when I was doing John's introduction, we have elevated and, 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 and evolved this podcast to bring you raw, real, high-level men that are doing extraordinary things in their family life, their business life, their personal life. John is a, is a shining example of that, and we have revamped everything to bring you everything just at a, at a, at a, at another level. And so if you want to find out more about the podcast, you can find out more about John and all of our past guests at mentalpurposepodcast.com or ianlobas.com, L-O-B-A-S. And just click on the podcast. All the show notes will be there. So if you're driving right now and you can't write, hit up mentalpurposepodcast.com. You'll find all, everything about John, all the stuff that John said, pictures of what he was talking about. The ego castle will break all that stuff down. We'll take some stills. You'll see the video on YouTube. You can't miss it. It's got, we're going to give you everything. Everything's right at your fingertips. So John, thanks so much, dude. I really appreciate your time today. And I know the audience is going to get a ton of value. It's, I had a blast talking to you. I can't wait until uh, things open up and we can, we can be in the same room together again and, and catch up and 
Dude, you're doing amazing things, man. So congratulations. And thanks for being such a great example thanks, of Jim. a dad, a husband, and then a businessman. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. It's fun to be here. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Again, manonpurposepodcast.com. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks again for listening to the Men on Purpose podcast, where our mission is to educate, elevate, and activate every man to truly live their best, most fulfilling life possible. To find out more about the podcast, our guests, or becoming a man on purpose, visit menonpurposepodcast.com and choose your most purposeful path forward.